including guests. So our nursery right now is available for children under two and under. And we have Spanish service tonight at 6 p.m. And we also do have youth fellowship at the Colazo home tonight at 5.30 p.m. If you have any questions about that, um, I say see Sister Grisel or see Sister Leilani. Also, please keep Bishop and Sister Tryon in prayer as they minister in, South, in Southington, Connecticut. And this week we have uh, regular mid-service, mid-services, mid-week services, excuse me. Also, the Muya fundraiser for camp next, uh, next Sunday, July 17th, 2 to 6 p.m. Come out, eat lunch, and mention the Pentecostals of New Britain. We will, we will receive a portion of proceeds to help raise money for camp. And please tell friends, family members, coworkers, or classmates, neighbors, anybody. The more people we get there during our time frame, the more money we raise for our youth. So registration for youth and junior camps is open. Early registration has been extended to July 15th. It's all online this year, so you want to get in ASAP. So payment option plan is available. If you would like to sponsor a child or camp, please see Pastor Brown. It costs $225 to attend camp. So in order to help ensure as many can go as possible, it would be great to have some sponsored. You can sponsor any amount, and we will have fundraisers between now and camp to help raise money for camp. And speaking of fundraisers, thank you to everyone who helped with car wash, the car wash yesterday. We raised about $400, and we currently have raised about $1,300 for camp, and we will need to raise another $1,300 or so. you mind if I say something really quick about yesterday? Thank you. So yesterday, there was a group of children there and a group of youth yesterday. Um, it was actually a beautiful experience to see everybody putting all of their effort into this. Um, I had a lot of kids tell me, why aren't they just waving? Why aren't they coming in to get their car washed? And it gave me a, a, like a, a thought in the spirit that despite them not coming in to get their car washed or even pay to get their car washed, it's the unity that we have. We communicated that we are here, we are a church of unity, and that we are here willing to serve them despite any kind of circumstance. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So also, we have paintings for sale to raise money for camp. Leadership training scheduled is this Saturday has been canceled. So leadership training for Saturday has been canceled. So we need help with cleaning and preparing the campground on Saturday, July 23rd on Sa and Saturday, July 30th. See Bishop Tryon for any details. And we also have several ways to give your tithes and offerings. If you need to give electronically, please go to our website at www.nbupc.org or you can give through our church app on Tithely. Just search the Pentecostals of New Britain. It would be much appreciated, though, if you could cover the fees charged by Tithely. But if you can't, that's understandable. And if you have any special prayer requests or know, some, or know someone who does, please send an email to prayer at nbupc.org. And if somebody has a special need, such as a hospital visit, meals prepared, or just special encouragement, send an email to care at nbupc.org. Amen. And our brother Rosa with us. 
wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is customary to stand for the reading of God's word. It is always a beautiful thing to be in the house of God on Sundays. I don't know about you, but I need uh, an infilling of my cup. I need some more of the Lord to get me through the rest of the week. So last week, we read how in the book of Ephesians, it made it clear that there was one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. So the question this morning is, can we continue to look at any of the other books in the Holy Scriptures to give us clarity as to the oneness of God? This morning we're going to be reading out of Mark 12. And out of the book of Mark, many things were spoken of, many things were covered. But we're going to be reading out of Mark 12. By the time we arrive at Mark 12, verse 10, Jesus had just given a parable against the high religious leaders. And they were offended. Verse 10 tells us this. Mark, we are at Mark 12. Apologize, Matthew, Mark. Mark 12, verse 10. Have you not read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner? This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our, in our eyes. What does verse 12 tell us? And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. But it doesn't end there. When we get to verse 13, what do these individuals do? They sent unto Jesus certain of the Pharisees and Herodians. To catch him in his words. What's the translation that we can have for verse 13? They wanted to know his doctrine. They wanted to catch him in his words. What's your doctrine? What are you trying to get to? What are you trying to tell us? What are you trying to tell the people? Say it plainly. Let's, let's get to the point. Verse 14. And when they were come, they said unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and carest for no man. For thou regardest not the person of men. He's not a respecter of persons. But teaches the way of God in truth. Not God's. He teaches the way of God in truth. Singular. It is, it is lawful. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar? They asked him a question. He goes on by telling them. Give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Let's go to verse 17. And Jesus answered, saying unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Now, verses 28 through 32. Verses 28 through 32. Because the conversation doesn't end there. They continued asking him questions upon questions. So what does verse 28 tell us? And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceived that he had answered them well. So they acknowledged up until this point, 
He answered them well. He's answering them correctly so far. Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered saying, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Well, many claim that first commandment. Many claim that first commandment. Oh, we have that. Well, let us clarify what it means to have. Hear, O Israel, our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. All of it. With all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is likened, or like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and there is no other commandment greater than these. We've heard this countless of times. But that's not the point. Look at what verse 32 tells us. What does verse 32 tell us? And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. What is the truth? For there is one God. There is one God and there is none other but he. Not them. One God. Not three. One. All the stuff that Jesus spoke about, they only wanted to know if he had the oneness of God right. Let us see what doctrine he's trying to give the people. You said it well. You answered correctly. There's one God. There's no other but he. Even the scribes and the Pharisees of those times knew that there was one God and there was not a separation and three working together. The Spirit of the Lord has pressed this upon me to let his people know that he wants to be seen correctly and we have a duty in knowing the oneness of God to help the world see him for who he is one Lord one God one faith one baptism thank you Lord thank you Jesus yes Lord Let us pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your sanctuary. We are here to praise and honor you for who you are. We understand the magnification and the magnitude that you alone have created the heavens and the earth and there is none beside you. Father, you continue to draw all people onto you and we shall continue to show people the oneness for there is none other but you. Father, we ask for any sins that might have been committed against you to be forgiven as we forgive those that have trespassed against us creating us a right mind and a right heart and a right spirit to absorb that which will be spoken upon off this pulpit that we may be able to edify the kingdom that you have placed on this earth my lord jesus we shall see you for who you are we shall know that there is only one god and one alone we shall understand that which you require of us my lord jesus and as we stand here we are clearly asking you send us my lord jesus creating us a mind and a heart to be sent into this lost world for it is not about being boxed inside of a building 517 is much greater than 517 we need to go out there into the highways and the byways and reach those that are lost for there are many seeking the truth and without god we can do nothing let us praise and worship him this morning
Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty.
Thank you, Jesus. Nothing compares to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Before I go on to the next song, the Lord gave me a word today that God's going to turn your situation around. Hallelujah. No matter what the situation is, he's here for you. But there's something that we got to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's one of my favorite scriptures that talks about but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. The Lord gave me another scripture that I've never read before that I just didn't put the two and two together. There's also another one that talks about trust in the Lord with all the heart and lean not unto your own understanding in all your ways he um you sorry in all your ways You'll acknowledge him, I, I think, and he'll direct your paths. I, I'm not word for word for on that. But there was another scripture. He says, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but with not, not according to knowledge for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. We need to submit to God's righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you, unto you. God is going to turn the situation around. Don't lean on to your own understanding. Amen. I mean, we have to lean on God. Amen. And put our flesh away. Amen. And God's going to turn the situation around. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to see a victory. Hallelujah. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. Oh, my Oh, we're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. Oh, we're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Jesus, every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know. I know how this story ends. Your victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. 
victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph. Well, my God will never fail. My God will never fail. Oh, we're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There is power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. I'm not backing down from any giant. I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. We're going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. You turn it for You can take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You can take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, we're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. We're gonna see your victory. We're gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna see your victory. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you. Hallelujah, the battle is not ours. Hallelujah, it's the Lord's. 
Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. And we thank you for the victory in advance. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Why don't you shout with the voice of triumph? Shout with the voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Shout with the voice of praise. Oh, shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Triumphant in battle, we are victorious. God is most high over all the earth. Jesus has conquered, Satan's defeated. The enemy is under our feet. Triumphant in battle, we are victorious. God is most high over all the earth. Jesus has conquered, Satan's defeated. The enemy is under our feet. Oh, shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Oh, shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. Shout with the voice of praise. 
Shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Triumphant in battle, we are victorious. God is most high over all the earth. Jesus has conquered. Satan's defeated. The enemy is under our feet. Shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout with the voice of triumph. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Triumphant in battle, we are victorious. God is most high over all the earth. Jesus has conquered, Satan's defeated. The enemy is under my feet. Shout for the victory. Shout to give us a free shout. Shout for the victory, 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 Amen. I didn't use the piano for a reason because it says, shout with the voice of triumph. That's using my voice. Amen. Shout with the voice of praise. Shout with the voice of victory. Amen. Shout unto God for the victory. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes we get so used to instruments and everything that but our voice is an instrument unto the lord amen and we need to worship him amen hallelujah thank you jesus we worship you and we praise you jesus hallelujah thank you jesus like a mighty wind both through this house open up the heavens pour your spirit out like a mighty wind burning through this house Open up the heaven, hold your spirit out and it rain, Lord. Rain, Lord. Rain, Lord. Rain, Lord. God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit rain. Oh, rain, Lord. Open up the heavens, pour your spirit out Like a raging fire, burning my soul Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Lord, I command him when blow through this house Open up the heavens, pour your spirit out Like a raging fire, burning my soul Baptize me with the Holy Ghost So let it rain, Lord Rain 
Holy Spirit reign. Let it reign, oh, reign, oh, reign, Lord. Reign, Lord. Reign, Lord. Reign, Lord. God Almighty, let your Holy Spirit reign. Oh, like a mighty wind, roll through this house. Open up the heavens and pour your spirit out Like a raging fire burning my soul Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Like a mighty wind blow through this house Open up the heavens and pour your spirit out Like a raging fire burning my soul Baptize me with the Holy Ghost Let it rain, Lord Rain, Lord
The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. Oh, this is the way that we fight. Praise Him for the victory. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. Oh, this is the way that we fight. Praise Him for the victory. Oh, can't stop. Praising His name, I just can't stop. Praising His name, I just can't stop. Praising His name, of Jesus. Can't stop. Praising His name, I just can't stop. Praising His name, Jesus. 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 Oh, Jesus. Some chains falling. Hallelujah. Jesus. Oh. Jesus. 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 Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus. Oh, come on. I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't give up. Oh, no. I won't give up. Oh, no. I won't turn back now. Oh, I won't turn back now. I won't turn back. Oh no. I won't turn back. I won't turn back now. Oh, I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't give up. I don't care what you throw my way. I won't give up. I don't care how heavy the enemy tries to attack. I won't. second hang on just a second I don't know about you but it feels like there's been an all all out uh, onslaught uh, on the saints of God Hallelujah. in my own life and if I'm getting hit like this I know you're getting hit like this but the enemy is just trying to get us to give up uh, and he's trying to get us to turn back Because he knows that if I keep going, his kingdom is coming to an end. Because he knows if I keep going, there's going to be a harvest. He knows if I get, if I don't give up and I keep pressing forward, if I do what Paul said and I forget the things which are behind, and I reach toward the things that are before me and I press through it all there's a mark for the prize of the high calling of God because many of you are living in a season where God has prophesied things over your life God has promised you things and they have yet to come to pass and the devil heard those prophecies and he does not want them to come to pass in your life but I feel like the church of God is rising up today saying I won't give up and I won't turn back I'm going to keep on praising him because he's the one that brought me where I'm to right now and if he brought me this far he did not bring me here to leave me now and if I've come this far by faith, then I'm going to keep walking by faith. Oh, come on, somebody. There's a, there's a I won't give up praise that is in this house right now. There's an I won't turn back worship that is in this place right now.
A man of war. You have known me yet as a God of love and you have known me as a God of mercy. But I say unto you today that I will manifest myself as a warrior and as a man of war in your life. My eyes have been searching to and fro throughout the whole earth to show myself strong on behalf of people whose hearts are perfect toward me. And this morning my eyes have stopped in this church and in this place because I have seen a people whose hearts are turned perfectly toward me and now I say unto you that I have drawn my sword and I have opened up my mouth and I have breathed out the fire of my word and the wind of my spirit on your behalf and I am now fighting your battles for you and it is your turn to just simply praise me for the victory that I have given you for the warfare I say unto you has been nothing but a distraction because there is a harvest that needs to be reaped and the harvest that, that you need to labor in cannot be labored in and cannot be reaped unless you are free to labor and I say unto you that the battles have been nothing but a distraction but I have come and I have dispatched my angels to take over the warfare and your warfare has been accomplished so that you can labor in my harvest for yea I say unto you that I am releasing a harvest in this city the likes of which you have never seen before thus saith the Lord God almighty a man of war and the God of victory in Jesus name Somebody needs to go ahead and let your praise tell the devil you're not giving up and you're not turning back now Weapons we use on our bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. Oh, this is the way that we fight. Praise Him for the victory. The weapons we use on our bombs and guns. Worship is the way that the battle is won. Oh, this is the way that we fight. Praise Him for the victory. Can't stop praising his name, I just can't stop praising his name, Jesus. Can't stop praising his name, I just can't stop praising his name, I just can't stop 
Praising His name, Jesus, 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 oh Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. going to have our ushers come up right now and take up the offering. Amen. Let's give unto the Lord. Amen. Let's give unto the Lord as he's given us today and our classes are dismissed in Jesus name. Amen. Let's keep singing that. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh. I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't Give up. I won't give up now. I won't give up. I won't give up. I won't give up. Oh no, I won't give up now. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Oh no, I won't turn back. Jesus, Jesus, can we just shout that name right now? Jesus! Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hmm, hallelujah. Amen. We got to, we, we are trying to minister to our deaf folks when sister ellen is gone and so we've got a live stream going so they can look at the captions and so the volume was turned up and we couldn't hear it amongst all the noise and so please don't be distracted by that amen the enemy has been trying to do everything he can uh to distract us this morning from vulgar comments on our facebook page to whatever but god is in control amen Amen. Amen. There is a reason why. Xavier, before you go, let me let me speak to you for just a minute, young man. Just a moment ago when you were singing and you were the lonely praise singer left up here. You were singing and your voice is going through the sound system. And the Lord showed me that as you were singing, there were devils that were fleeing. 
at your praise. You keep praising the Lord, young man. You keep using your talents for God because you have a power and an anointing that is within you that will set the enemy on the run. And you don't ever have to fear a giant and you don't ever have to fear an enemy that will come to attack you for your praise will set him on the run. You keep using your talents for the Lord and you keep praising him, Xavier, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, amen. I want you to turn with me, please, to the book of Amos chapter 9. We're going to read verse 13, and then we're going to flip over to John chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in John 4, 31. And so Amos chapter 9, in verse 13, and then John chapter 4, starting at verse 31. You that were here on Wednesday night or watched the live stream at some point, Got a little bit of a preview of what the God's of what God spoke to me on. I believe it was Tuesday morning, maybe it was Monday morning that He wanted me to preach today, and God has confirmed it through the message in tongues and the interpretation, because the distractions are trying to keep us from what we're going to be preaching about today, and this is a prophetic word for our church right now. This verse. That I am getting ready to read. It is a prophetic word for this church. And I want you to take it that way. As a prophetic word for us. In this hour. Amos chapter 9 verse 13 says. Behold the days come saith the Lord. That the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine. And all the hills shall melt. It's a picture of harvest. It's a picture of a harvest in which there is so much grain and so much fruit to be harvested that you're still harvesting when it's time to plant again. And so the planters come out and begin to plow up the ground and get ready to plant the seed while yet we are trying to gather in the harvest that God has given us. It is a simultaneous harvest. It's a harvesting and a sowing, a sowing and a reaping together. Amen. And the hills are going to drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. And if you know anything about trying to farm in the hills, you know it's kind of hard to do. But yet even the hills are going to produce a harvest. John chapter 4, verse, starting in verse 31, it says, In the meanwhile... His disciples prayed him, talking about Jesus and his disciples. By the way, Bishop Tryon is in Southington, Connecticut, and Sister Tryon preaching there. And we want to give honor to them and blessings, and we want to honor all of our guests that are here today as well. John chapter 4, verse 31. In the meanwhile, Jesus' disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Anybody bring him a lunch? We didn't know. I mean, did somebody call Uber and send him a, a, a deliver a pizza to him or something? Or what's going on with this? Jesus saith unto them, My meat or my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? 
Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. In other words, stop waiting for the harvest because the harvest is ready. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. That is pointing right back to Amos chapter 9 and verse 13, that he that reaps and he that sows are, are rejoicing together because one is rejoicing that he's got seed to plant for the coming harvest and the other is rejoicing that they still got harvest to go after. It is a picture. Jesus is, is literally painting a word picture of what the prophet Amos said that we read that the plowman and the, and the, uh, the sow, the plowman and the reaper shall labor together in the field. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. Jesus said, I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their Labors. I want to preach to you from this thought this morning and the reason we needed to get through the warfare this morning and allow the Lord to come in and begin to fight our battles is because it is harvest time. It is harvest time. I wonder if you can put your Bibles or your electronic devices down for a moment and if you can lift your hands to heaven and lift your voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and ask Him to speak to His people today and to allow us to hear. Lord Jesus, we're here in Your presence. We know that You are here. We know that Your angels are here. You have already manifested Yourself in a mighty way. We have worshipped You and You have showed up to show Yourself strong on our behalf. And now Lord, I pray that You would allow us to hear the speaking of your word your spirit is already moved and now your word is getting ready to speak it's spoken already it's going to continue to speak I pray Lord that your word would find a lodging place in our hearts I pray you would anoint the man of God to preach your word I pray that you would anoint the ears of the hearers today to truly hear your word anoint our minds to understand what the spirit is saying to the church and anoint our hearts to receive your word and to have in our hearts a will to obey, a will to do that which you have called us to do. It is harvest time, and we are ready to labor in your harvest, O Lord of the harvest today. Now, would you clap your hands unto the Lord in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Hunger is a very powerful thing. <laughs> if we're truly hungry, it drives us to do things we normally wouldn't do. <laughs> and if you're really, really hungry, you might even eat stuff that you normally wouldn't eat. <laughs> I remember being in survival school and having to eat wild onions I hate onions. But when you're in survival school, they give you a knife and a little bit of water, and that's about it. And when you get hungry enough, they drop you off out in the wilderness and tell you to, to fend for yourself. And when you get hungry enough, you'll eat just about anything. And so wild onions it was, and digging under logs to try to find worms and caterpillars to eat, and stuff I wouldn't normally want to eat. 
It's disgusting. But when you're hungry, you'll do things you normally wouldn't do. Fortunately, I wasn't too far into it, into that hunger before the Lord brought me, allowed me to find a stream. And, and, and in that stream, there were fish. And I knew how to make a fishing pole and create my own hooks. And I was able to catch fish. And then I was able to use the wild garlic and the wild onions and, and season my fish. And I was okay with that. And, and by the time I got done with survival school, I was better off than most people that were in survival school because I was able to survive. But, you know, hungry, hunger is a very powerful thing. It'll cause us to overcome fear in order to satisfy the craving that is in our body. I mean, you'll take on a wild animal if you're hungry enough that you normally wouldn't try to take on. And a man who is truly hungry is not going to be so picky as we said before, right? <laughs> but you know, I, well, I, I remember when my wife was pregnant. And there were certain things that she'd be hungry for. And it was my duty as a husband to try to make sure that that craving could get taken care of. Now, fortunately, my wife didn't have any weird, crazy cravings that I had to, like, sit there and really endure. Um, but we were in Minnesota when she was pregnant with Eleazar in the Midwest with no ocean around. And the biggest thing she craved was clam chowder. Now, where are you going to get good clam chowder in Minnesota? There's a lot of water in Minnesota, but it's not salt water, and clams don't live there. And so red lobster it was, way more often than I wanted it to be. <laughs> Late night drives to red lobster to try to pick up a bowl of clam chowder for my wife. Do you know, I, I have been praying for God to send us hungry people. People who are hungry for God. I've been asking, Lord, help me be more hungry for you. And send me to people who are hungry for you, for more of you, for all of you. Send us people who would hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the Bible says they are blessed, for they shall be filled. Lord, Lord, send us people who are hungry uh, for the things of God and not just some momentary religious experience. And by the way, God is doing it. We're baptizing someone this morning. Praise God. Amen. But hunger is very powerful. And people who are hungry, I mean truly hungry, they don't think and act logically. They don't react logically. They get in their emotions when we're really hungry, we overreact in many ways. There's a new world term called hangry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and sometimes when you're hangry, not even a Snickers bar will do the trick. <laughs> but hungry people go places they normally wouldn't go and do things they normally wouldn't do because their hunger demands satisfaction. Hunger does not know logic, nor does it recognize boundaries. And based on your worship this morning, I can feel and sense that there are many of you who are absolutely hungry for God, and I'm so grateful for that. 
We're hungry for Jesus. We're hungry for lost souls. We're hungry for more of Jesus, more of his love, more of his power, as the song says, more love, more power, more of you in my life. We need more and more of Jesus. And the word for you today is if you are hungry, you are blessed because God will not leave you hungry. He will always try to satisfy your spiritual appetites and your spiritual cravings. And God will never turn away someone who is hungry for him. In our text, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. They had journeyed a long way that day. They had gone from Judea to Samaria. And the way that they would have had to have walked was about 64 miles. Which, if you don't stop and you just keep going and walk at a normal pace, would take you a minimum of about 22 hours. <laughs> and the thing is, is that that was not flatlands. That was mountainous country. And so there was elevation gain and elevation loss. There was a lot of up and down. I recently climbed Caribou Mountain in New Hampshire a few weeks ago. and It's about an eight and a half mile hike, but... Half of that is down the mountain, so about four and a half miles, and the elevation gain is almost 2,000 feet. And it was many times at the point where my thighs were burning. <laughs> it was not an easy climb. Um, and so that's the kind of terrain that they were walking in. It was rocky, and it was hilly, and there was a lot of up and down. It wasn't just like you get on a treadmill, and you're flat, and you just go for however long. It was 22 miles of rocky, rugged, hilly terrain. And so they were surely hungry and thirsty after such a journey. If they were steadily going they probably didn't stop and eat too much maybe they you know were snacking along the way or something and i'm sure they had to drink a little bit of water but jesus sat down when he got to samaria he sat down on a well and he sent his disciples into the city to get food so they had gone through whatever provision they had or they didn't take anything with them. So I don't know how hungry they were, but they were pretty hungry. So he sent them to get food and he sat down on a well. And he asked for water from a Samaritan woman while he was waiting on them to bring food back. And the story kind of begins with a statement that's, that's really quite curious. In John 4, verses 3 and 4, it says that, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Now, to go from Judea to Galilee, the straightest point would have taken them through Samaria, but most of the Jews in that day would not have traveled through Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. There was prejudice going on back in those days, and, and they did not want to go through Samaria, and the Samaritans didn't want them coming through there. In fact, it was dangerous for Jewish men to walk through Samaria because they would get stoned or robbed or, or take, they'd, they'd be getting in all kinds of stuff. But the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria now just before that the Bible tells us that Jesus and his disciples had been baptizing people lots of people 
In fact, if you read the first couple of verses, it opens with the statement that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was baptizing more people than John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist started baptizing people, they were coming out in flocks and droves trying to figure out why, what he was doing because they were losing their following. And so if they heard that Jesus was baptizing more than John, now they're getting ready to come after Jesus. And so they were in the middle, if you will, of revival. And yet Jesus left the revival in Judea to go to Galilee. But to get to Galilee, he had to go to Samaria. Why did he have to go to Samaria? Because he was searching for hungry people. He was fulfilling his purpose. The purpose of God for his life, which we find in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, which ought to be all of our purpose in life more than anything else. For the Son of Man is, to, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's his purpose. And so Jesus is seeking and searching for those so that he could come and save them who were lost. He's seeking for hungry people. He's seeking people that have been seeking him. The Bible says if we draw nigh to him, that he will draw nigh unto us. And, and so there was something about this Samaritan woman that caused Jesus to have to go through Samaria. Someone had sown some seeds in Samaria at one point or another, and someone had been watering those seeds, and Jesus said, there's a harvest in Samaria that I got to get to. I, I got to go. I got to fulfill my purpose. Somebody's hungry. And if it's only one hungry person, the Lord will send somebody there to go after that hungry person. He took Philip out of a major revival in a big city in Samaria to take him out into the wilderness to meet an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading scriptures, trying to figure out what it meant. Jesus will always find those who are seeking him. You turn your heart towards him and he will always turn his heart and his attention towards you. Jesus is always on a mission to seek and to save the lost. He is always moving and he is always working and he is always seeking for hungry souls. We heard it in the message in tongues. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord are roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of them whose hearts are perfect towards him. Jesus must needs go to Samaria because he had seen like an eagle with an overview and with pinpoint accuracy and amazing vision. As that like an eagle flying high above can see a fish swimming under the water and dive down and get that fish. Jesus had seen one hungry soul in Samaria and with pinpoint accuracy he walked into that city and sat down on the very well that he knew that lady would be at. Listen, learn how to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Uh, even if it doesn't make any sense, if you feel the Lord prompting you to go sit on a well somewhere, then go sit on that well because it very well could be that there's a hungry soul getting ready to come and draw water from that well. If the Lord is telling you to take a different route to work today, then take a different route to work. Now, I got to talk to... And I don't mean to embarrass you, Sister Deborah, but I, I got to talk to her and find out what exactly... I got to get more of this story because... I don't know if she missed a turn or I don't know what, but she was driving up Slater Road. 
a while back, and I mentioned this a little bit on Wednesday night. And all of a sudden, she sees some young men in a yard or on a sidewalk or somewhere out there, and she said she felt impressed to stop and pray with them. And so she did. Thank you for following the leading of the Holy Ghost. And what ended up happening is the mom of that came out and said, what do my boys do? I thought, you know, they're, they're getting in trouble and, you know, whatever. And, and Sister Deborah's like, oh, no, I just wanted to pray with them. And she's like, oh, please pray for them. They, they, in, her, in the mom's own words, they need all the prayer they can get. <laughs> Sister Deborah followed the leading of the Holy Ghost. And I met with that mom, Sister Marie, and I met with that mom earlier this week. Come to find out she's the mom of a young man who used to come to this church. When we were the youth pastors. It's amazing how God just works things out. There's hungry souls. Because one of those young men was the young man that used to come to our church, Sister Deborah. <laughs> and they already knew who we were. God is just setting things up and working things out. And listen, just I just I, I had to tell that story because I'm trying to get you to understand there are hungry souls out there, and the Lord will always provide somebody that has a word for them or someone who has truth or someone that can show them the love of Christ, someone that can help satisfy their hunger and point them to the Jesus, the one who can satisfy their hunger. So don't discount that little prompting or that little nudging. If you feel like you're supposed to go talk to a coworker that you've never talked to before, then go and do it. feel like going to a different grocery store today you for whatever reason you think you got to go to a different grocery store then go to a different grocery store or or you're getting ready to go out to eat then you know the bible says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths so maybe you know and this may be kind of radical for you but if you're getting ready to go out to eat maybe pray about where you're going to go to eat it very well could be that there's somebody at that restaurant that god wants you to talk to and he may just like go wherever you want, and that's fine too. But there may be a specific one he wants you to go to, so at least ask and find out first. Because there's hungry people everywhere. And so Jesus had sent his disciples into the city to buy food while he sat on the well, and the woman shows up. Now she was a Samaritan woman first and foremost, which means normally Jesus would not talk to her as a Jewish man would not talk to her because he could get thrown out of the temple for talking to a Samaritan and plus he probably as a Jewish man uh and I'm not talking bad about Jesus because Jesus was just different right and we're supposed to be different too but but Jewish men would not talk to Samaritan women they wouldn't talk to Samaritan men for that matter and and it was just ugly but this was not just any Samaritan woman either she was she was an immoral woman She had been married five times and divorced five times, and now she was shacking up with somebody. She had been rejected over and over and over and over and over again. She was a cast-off of society, a reject and a misfit after going through so many relationships like that especially in the culture of the day she would have felt absolutely worthless she was used and likely abused 
Time and time again, she would get into a relationship with a man who would just take her for all she all he could get from her. And when he felt like she didn't have anything else to offer, just cast her away. And there was this cycle that she could not break over and over and over again. But there was something in her spirit that hungered and thirsted for things to get better. And somehow she knew that God was the answer because when Jesus showed up, they started talking. She knew some things about God. I don't have time to get into the story, but just read the story. Somehow she knew God was the answer, but she didn't really know how to go about finding God. Because the Samaritans thought you had to go to a certain place and worship in a certain way. And the Jews thought you had to go to a certain place and worship a certain way. And by the way, the Jews were the, the people through whom salvation was going to come. And so they had it right at the time. And the Samaritans had it wrong. But she was just doing whatever she could do. And so she was never going to go to Jerusalem where she was supposed to go to find, to find God in that time. So Jesus went to her. She was hungry but didn't know how to go about finding food to satisfy the hunger that she had. She was thirsty. She was going to a well to get something to drink anyway. But she was thirsty in her spirit, and yet she didn't know what she was thirsty for. And so she visited that well, and Jesus said, give me a drink. But in the end, he ends up offering her water that would cause her to never have to thirst again. Jesus came to that well that day specifically to meet a thirsty woman at her point of thirst. And Jesus is still doing that in the world today. If you're thirsty, he's here to quench your thirst today. If you're hungry, he's here to satisfy your hunger. If you need more of him, he will give you as much of himself as you desire. He will not limit. He will fill you with as much as, as whatever room you make for God, he will fulfill. He'll fill that room. Whatever space in your life you give to God to occupy, he will occupy that space. You can't hunger after God enough. You can't thirst after him enough. He will over and over again fulfill your thirst. And the thing is, is that once you get an appetite for him, you just need more and more and more. And it's not that you're not satisfied anymore. It's just that it's so good. You just want more and more. And my, it's like me with chocolate chip cookies. I can't eat just one. I got I to gotta keep eating and eating and eating. Even when it's not healthy for me. But, but let me tell you, when you drink from the wells of living water, you can never get enough. And by the way, it never runs dry. And so you, you don't have to worry about conserving it. Because there's always more where that came from. Jesus is still working on meeting people at their point of hunger in their point of thirst in the world today. But he's not physically walking the earth like he did in those days, except in the sense that he does it through me, and he does it through you. And so he's trying to lead us to hungry people and thirsty people. And they might not be the people you normally would talk to. 
They might not be the people you would normally hang out with. But if they're hungry and if they're thirsty, Jesus will cause you to have a divine interruption in your life and a divine encounter with somebody else so that you can help them connect with Jesus. They might not know what they're looking for. They might know, not know what they're hungry for. And you might not even make the connection right away, but just learn how to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Because he's still seeking to save that which was lost. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came to seek and to save you when you were lost? Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Lord, I'm thankful that you saved me. I'm thankful that you were looking for me even when I wasn't looking for you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you saw me in the miry clay that I was in. I'm thankful, Lord, that you reached down into that pit and you pulled me out. I'm thankful, Lord, that even when I had done everything I could to reject you and run away from you, that you still came chasing after me and you would not let me get away. And I'm thankful that when I finally stopped running and turned around to you, that you were right there waiting for me with open arms. Jesus, I'm grateful and I'm thankful and I never want to lose that gratitude for what you've done for me Jesus I'll never forget what you've done for me I'm so grateful for what Jesus did for me I'm also thankful for a vessel through whom Jesus found me and through whom he delivered that to me which satisfied my soul. I'm thankful for a sergeant in the army that invited me to go to church. And I'm thankful for a pastor of a church that welcomed me with open arms and loved me and worked with me in all of my uh, my immaturity and my stubbornness and my my false ideas. And, and I'm thankful that God even sent me to the one place on earth that I had asked him to never send me while I was in the army so that I could meet a chaplain that had the truth uh, that would teach me about this wonderful oneness message and this Acts 2.38 born of water and spirit message repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost I'm thankful that God would send me wherever I needed to go because he already had somebody there because he knew I was hungry and I was looking for truth and I was looking for him and he led me right to the person who had what I had been looking for it is harvest time. The same thing he did for me, he'll do for others. Some of you are in this house and, and, and you haven't even figured out everything that you're looking for yet, but Jesus is the answer and God is going to show you everything that you need and he's going to fill you with all of him and he is going to deliver you and set you free from that which you have been in bondage to because of your hunger and because of your appetites. Because you've hungered for the wrong things for so long that you have become addicted to them. And that's how addiction starts. You become addicted to things because of an appetite. Because of a hunger. And many times you don't know exactly what you're hungry for. So you just go ram uh, rummaging through all the pantries to find out something to eat. I got teenage boys at my house, constantly hearing the refrigerator open and the, and the cabinets opening, looking for something. What are you looking for? I'm just looking for something to eat. Well, there's food everywhere, but 
I, I don't know what I want, but I'm just hungry for something. Well, there's a lot of people in the world that are doing that. And, and so they start rummaging through the pantry. And, and, and before you know it, they're, they're eating something. And, and it might not have been what they were supposed to eat. And so you get people that are looking for love that get in promiscuous relationships. When what they needed is a God who is love. And you get people that are that are in a in a uh, 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 get into a relationship with alcohol because they're looking for something to numb the pain. They're really looking for healing, but they don't believe that healing is possible. So they 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 drink so that they can numb the pain, and and so then they get addicted to the numbing of pain that comes with alcohol. When what they really need is the healer, whose name is Jesus. And they do the same thing with drugs. Or they do the same thing with pornography. You got men that are looking for some sort of satisfaction and something to make them feel like a man and they get some false image of it. And so they get bound by stuff, that, by appetites that they never ought to be fulfilling when Jesus is their fulfillment. And by the way, it's just about as bad with women these days. But the Lord can set you free. And the answer is, is to understand what you're really hungry for. And when you begin to understand what you're really hungry for, then God will come and, and, and he'll let you know, hey, I've been what you're looking for. I, I'm what you've been looking for. I'm what you've been hungry for. I'm what you've been thirsty for. I've got the water you need. I've got the food you need. I've got what you need to give you that satisfaction. I've got what you need to give you that fulfillment. I've got what you need to give you that sense of, of purpose in your life because I'm the one that created you with purpose. And by the way, until you find God's purpose for your life, you're never going to be satisfied. And you're never going to be fulfilled. Because when God created you, he created you to live with a specific plan and purpose in mind. You were created that way. Your DNA is woven together that way. And until you decide to turn to the one who created you, you'll never understand the meaning of life. But when you do... You'll live the most fulfilling life that you ever filled, lived. Preaching to the church this morning, we need to remember that we were once part of the harvest as well. I was once... A part of the harvest. And if someone had not been willing to allow the Lord of the harvest to send them as a laborer into the harvest in my moment of need, where would I be right now? You see, church, if we can remember always that we were once a part of the harvest, then it'll go a long ways toward making us willing to pray the prayer that we need to pray, which is, Lord, send me as a laborer in your harvest. I was the one that needed a harvest. I didn't know it. I didn't know where I was growing. I didn't know what was going on in my life. But someone, someone answered the call of God to come and search for a man who was looking for Jesus. 
And for a while, I didn't know what I was looking for. But there were multiple people in my life that said, you know what, I'm going to plant a seed or I'm going to water something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to draw. I'm going to go and I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm so grateful for people like that in my life. And I want, I'm so grateful that I just want to do that for as many people as I can. And that needs to be the attitude of every spirit-filled saint of God. It is harvest time, church. Just like the woman at the well. It's hungry people who end up victims in society to some tragic situation. The Lord has been helping me to be more compassionate and not look down on addicts, but remember to see them as hungry souls. They may have been misguided in their pursuit of satisfaction, but they're simply hungry souls. They're people who are in need of a Savior. Just like I was once a man who needed a Savior. And by the way, I still need the Savior every day of my life. As Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm trying to do what I ought to do, and I still can't always do it right. But I, I need you, Jesus. I, sometimes I just feel like a wretched man. I still need a Savior every day of my life. So we must not be surprised as a church or as a Christian. When we start praying for hungry souls, we get people who are addicted to all kinds of stuff. Because they're hungry. <laughs> and by the way, it's very possible for a person to be hungry for something and not even know what it is. And that's a very vulnerable state. Because you, comes, you become susceptible to just about anything that offers you even a hint of satisfaction or fulfillment. And by the way, church, if we're not out there giving them, offering them something that will provide that satisfaction, that fulfillment, somebody else will be out there offering it to them. It's harvest time. The thing about hungry people is that once they get a taste for something that they like, they keep coming back for more. And that's why when you get an addict saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost and walking in victory in, in their life, they become some of the best soul winners and they become some of the best preachers and some of the best evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers and they become some of the most faithful saints because they get a little bit of a taste of Jesus and they understand just how good it is. Oh, taste and see, Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is a man that trusts in him. Listen, if we can just get people a little bit of taste of Jesus, then, then that, they'll understand that that's what they need and, and and once they taste it they're going to want more and more and more and that's why jesus said get the nurseries ready because i'm sending you into a harvest and babies are going to be born and they're going to need a third they're going to hunger and thirst for the milk of the word of god they're going to hunger and thirst for the sustenance that they can only find in relationship with jesus and church we've got to be ready to feed them, to help them get a taste for the things of God. There's a reason why Jesus uh, uh, talks about us being vines and branches. Because we're branches of his vine. And we're supposed to bear fruit. 
And the reason for the fruit is that when people walk up to us and shake our tree, they're supposed to taste and see that the Lord I claim to serve is good. But if they walk up to my tree and all they get is bitterness, or they walk up to my tree and they get rejection, or they walk up to my tree and they get me looking down on them because of their condition, because I forgot what it was like to be an addict, or because I forgot what it was like to, to be a part of the harvest, or if they come up to me and all they get is, is selfishness instead of, instead of me wanting to help them, if, if all they get is me not having time for them, if they get fruit that's bitter, they're not going to come back for more, and they're going to go out looking for more and more of, of stuff, and eventually they're going to find something that just gives them a little pleasure for a season and they're going to keep going for more and more and more of it but church if we can get out there in the harvest and be bearing the right types of fruit like love joy peace faithfulness kindness meekness goodness gentleness temperance if we can start bearing that kind of fruit and giving it to people all the time then they'll begin to get a taste for something that they know is what their soul needs and longs for it is harvest time Many times our job as laborers in the harvest is simply to create an opportunity for a hungry soul to taste that for which they hunger. Because once they get a taste for it, they're going to keep coming back for more. So how do they get that hunger? How do they get that taste? It comes from my overflow. There ought to be enough Holy Ghost in you and fruit of the Spirit in you that it flows out of you so much it splashes off to those that you're, that you're around. And if you're constantly uh, just trying to, to, to have an encounter with God in church on Sunday morning because that's the only time you ever interact with God and you wonder why you're, you, you're by the time Tuesday gets around, you're already empty again. Uh, you're, you're wondering what, what's going on. Why, why, don't I, why can't I win a soul? Why can't I get a Bible study? Why does nobody want to hang around me? Well, maybe it's because you're not full and you're not overflowing because you're supposed to abide in him and he abides in you and as you do that that's how you bear fruit but if i if i don't have an overflow of god in my life then then i can't minister to others and i have nothing to provide them with a taste of something and so they look at me and all they see is dryness and there's nothing there and they feel like they came to you because you claim to be a Christian and there's supposed to be fruit on you, but there's no fruit. And now they're disillusioned with the church and they're disillusioned with God and they're disillusioned with Christians. And now they go looking for something else somewhere else. Jesus walked up to a tree that was supposed to have fruit and got mad that didn't have fruit and cursed it. Well, guess what? That's what people do to us too. Walk up at you and shake the tree and all they get is, is rejection or they walk up and shake the tree and all they get is anger and We're supposed to have such, more, such an abundance of fruit, of good fruit on us that, that people see it, the trees, the branches just hanging down and it's within easy reach. And when they, uh, last year we got a pear tree in our yard and, and, and last year we, we were able, it's, it's a very young pear tree and, and for the first time it had fruit on it last year and when I bit into that 
pair. It was the most amazing pair that I had ever had. And I, this year, I've just been looking. There's, there's that one and that one and that. I'm just looking. I'm watching these little pairs as they grow. And I just can't wait until harvest time because I want to get more of a taste of how good that pear was. And by the way, I'm not even a guy that normally eats pears. But they were amazing. And I'm like, Lord, I want more of that sweet fruit. Well, listen, when people come into contact with the saint of God, that's how they, how they ought to feel about what they taste from your life and their interaction with you. Because it's harvest time. So when the disciples came back, they said to Jesus, you need to eat. And he said, I have meat that you don't know of. What's he talking about? Like I said before, did, did someone call Uber Eats or something? Did, you know, somebody deliver, you know, call Domino's curbside or something now? Or, you know, you can call Domino's and they'll meet you wherever you're at. You don't even have to have an address. You just put your GPS in or whatever and they'll, they'll come be at the park and they'll deliver pizza right to you. I mean, okay, this, you know, someone called Domino's and deliver pizza to Jesus right at the well? I mean, like, what, 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 what happened? But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said this. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus' food was to feed hungry people. He was more satisfied by giving water to the woman at the well than he ever could have been by drinking water from that same well. And we call ourselves Christians. It means to be Christ-like. Therefore, our meat ought to be the same as his meat. Our meat, our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our sustenance ought to come from doing the will of the Father and finishing his work. There is work to do, church. It's called harvest. It is harvest time. A work was started in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's Acts 2, 1 through 4. That started something. That birthed something. God began a new thing. The Bible talks all throughout the Old Testament of how God's going to do a new thing and now it's going to spring forth well it sprang forth in the book of Acts and we see the church growing and growing and growing God started a work in the book of Acts with the church it was prophesied by the prophets and in the book of Joel when he said in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and all of that great wonderful prophecy it came to pass in the book of Acts and God is still this day 2,000 years later still filling, uh, fulfilling people with the Holy Ghost and pouring out his spirit upon all flesh he is still working the work that he started in the book of Acts because we're still in the same age and we're still in the same dispensation we're still in the last days saith God and there is a harvest to labor in and he wants to pour his spirit out but he's got to have people that will label in the labor in the harvest and teach Bible studies and pray with people and invite people to church and, 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 and start getting building relationships and friendships with people because there's hungry people that need Jesus. 
Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it or will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He started building the church and he's still building the church. He started pouring out his spirit and he's still pouring out his spirit. Therefore, if I'm going to be a part of the church, I'm supposed to be a part of the work of the church. And the work of the church is to get into the harvest and labor in the harvest. So then Jesus said, say not ye, there are four months, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Lift up your eyes right now and look around you. You know, it's good every once in a while to just stop looking down at all the cares of everything that's going on around you and just stop for a second and take it in. To be aware of what's going on in your life. When you're at work, just take a moment when you get a chance. Not when it's unsafe or not when it's making you be unproductive at work. Because we need to be great and good employees for... We need to be a good witness at work too, by the way. But it's good for us to to every once in a while just just stop and just look. You know, as I say, stop and wake up and smell the coffee, right? Sometimes you just need to, to stop and take things in. Just look around you. We get so caught up in the forest sometimes that we can't see, or in the trees of the forest, that we can't see the forest because of the trees. But there is a beauty of the forest. And sometimes we just need to stop and look around and really take things in. Listen to the sounds that you hear. God wants you to hear the cries of people that he hears. But if you never stop and listen, how are you going to hear them? God wants you to see the tears that, are people, that people are crying. But if you never stop to look up, how are you going to see them? God wants to use you to help guide somebody to him. But how are you going to know that if you never stop and look around and listen and make yourself available to him in the harvest? The fields are white to harvest. And Jesus said, my, we- my meat is to do the will of him. There ought to be nothing that satisfies a Christian more than laboring in the harvest. Listen, you get somebody in a Bible study and, you, and they decide to be baptized and you baptize them or you bring them to the church and somebody in the church baptize them and you were a part of that or you're in the altar with someone praying with them when they get the Holy Ghost. Listen, that's, that's the kind of addiction you really need because there's something about that that just satisfies my soul. There's something about that that just makes me rejoice. There's something about that that just, that just fulfills me and there's nothing in this world that is like it. A few weeks ago, I was praying at midnight at Stanley Quarter Park. And the Lord showed me, that you know, it was, it was interesting because there was a train that, that came through and you could kind of hear the train coming through. But as I was praying, I was praying the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, the Lord showed me a vision. And in that vision, I, I looked down and, and the train is coming into town and there's something bright and shiny glimmering in, in the open uh, cars of the train and I thought it was gold and I, I, it was just very shiny and I'm like what is going on here and and the, the train stopped in the middle of New Britain and when it stopped there was an army of angels that got out and stood in formation around that train guarding it and I'm like Lord they're, they're, what, what kind of treasure are they guarding what what is it that is so important that you got a, a whole company of angels that that is guarding this train what is this train all about and the Lord allowed in the vision for me to be able to like zoom in on the on the picture and and what it was was not gold or silver or coins or shiny metal or jewels or anything like that it was wheat 
it was harvest. And the Lord had sent his angels to guard the harvest and to fight off anyone that would distract the church from taking care of the harvest. And God spoke it this morning through the, through the message in tongues and the interpretation that that is what he's doing. He is fighting our battles for it. It was not an accident that Sister Melanie sang songs about warfare and fighting today because God was getting us to a place that we could understand that he is fighting for us and he's taking the weight of the battle off of our shoulders so we can sheathe the sword and pick up the sickle and put the sickle into the harvest. Church, it is harvest time. The Lord told me that that's what I got to preach. It's harvest time. We need to guard the harvest. We need to labor in the harvest. And way back in March, the Lord used Amos 9.13 to say, that's the kind of harvest you're going to be in. You're going to be in a harvest where it's going to be so abundant that you're not even going to be able to get it all reaped before you're sowing again. And there is a beautiful picture that happens in that. You've got laborers that are laboring together. Laborers that are laboring together. And God said this, my kingdom must advance. But in order to advance, there must be resources. Therefore, we must sow over and over again into the kingdom. I need resources. I need laborers. I need people that are going into the, into the harvest. The, the greatest asset and the greatest resource of any company or any business is its employees. And God said, I need my employees. I need my laborers. I need them. It doesn't matter how good the product is if there's nobody to sell the product. If there's nobody to wrap it up and package it and ship it to the customers. It doesn't matter how good the product is listen we got a great product we got the best product on earth but we got to take it and deliver it to the people that are shopping that are looking for it we got to advertise for it we got to get the word out and we got to take it to them we got to deliver it for them we got to package it in such a way that they get hungry for it it's harvest time and the lord showed me second corinthians 9 6 through 8 but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. we got to have resources, and that means we need to give financially to the kingdom as well. I'm not going to belabor the point, but we need to be able to give financially into the kingdom and God says this and this is the this is the key this is part of the prophecy of the harvest if you look at verse 10 he says this he that ministereth seed to the sower the one that gives you seed the one that, that gives you wisdom to make wealth the one who provided a job for you the one who allows you to have a job so you can get a paycheck he's the one ministering seed for the sower he will both minister bread for your food in other words he's going to make sure you have enough to eat He's going to make sure you have enough to buy food. He's going to make sure you have what you need to make bread or, or whatever you need to do. But he also says this. Look at this. He will provide and multiply your seed. And increase the harvest. Or increase the fruits of your righteousness. He will multiply your seed sown. What is that a picture of? That's a picture of... 
Every time I sow a seed, whether it's teaching a Bible study or witnessing to somebody or giving in the offering or sending a kid to camp or, or whether I'm ministering someone and just loving on somebody and helping somebody, whether I'm handing out, a, a, inviting someone to church. Handing, every time I plant a seed, God says, not only am I going to work on that seed and make sure it produces a harvest, but I'm going to multiply the seed sown. You can't outgive God. So whatever you give to the kingdom, whether it's your time, your resources, your gifts, your talents, whatever it might be, whatever you give, God is going to give increase. He's going to make sure there's a harvest, and he's going to multiply even the seed that you sow. What does that mean? While I'm walking around at Walnut Hill Park uh, trying to witness to people and pray, and thank you, Brother Lou and Sister Martha, for joining me uh, that day uh, when we were at Martha Hart and we were, or, uh, when we were at, at Walnut Hill and we were praying, um, and we're, we're sitting there, we're, we're, we're meeting people, we're talking with people we're praying we're leaving cards we're we're doing all that all that stuff during a prayer walk and and we're doing that every seed that we sown god not only saw that seed but he was busy planting seeds and multiplying that seed so he was at he was at stanley quarter park or he was at aw stanley or he was at martha hart park or he was at chesley park he was making sure that there was seed being sown other places god is not only gonna gonna give you seed and and, and ask you to sow into the harvest but he's gonna multiply the seed that you do sow And he says, I am releasing my kingdom resources in the form of seeds, and they will follow the law of the harvest. It will be financial, and it will be spiritual. And the more bountifully my people sow into the kingdom, the more bountifully they will reap in my kingdom. Therefore, my people must pray unto me, the Lord of the harvest, that I may send them forth as laborers into the harvest. And harvest labor is both sowing and reaping. It is watering and cultivating. The farmer's work is is never done and God is calling us to do the work of a farmer reaping and sowing and sowing and reaping and constantly laboring and you might may find yourself watering at one point and you may you may find yourself reaping a harvest at another point and you may find yourself trying to break up fallow ground at some point and you may find yourself at some point pulling out weeds or you may find yourself at some point uh planting seed you may find yourself just fertilizing the soil you you may find yourself doing whatever it needs to be in the kingdom in Albert Barnes's notes, it's a commentary that I read. It says this, Such is the character of the toils of the gospel. All the works of grace go on in harmony together. Each helps on the other. In one, the fallow ground of the heart is broken up. In another, seed is sown. The beginning of a holy conversation. In another is the full rich, richness of the ripened fruit. There is such a beautiful harmony. I want you to stay with me, please. There is such a beautiful harmony that should be in the church age. The harmony of all of these harvest things happening at once. One of us is sowing while another is watering. One is threshing wheat while another is grinding the wheat. Somebody's baking bread with the wheat that has already been harvested. Another one is picking grapes. Somebody else is pruning a vine. Somebody else is picking 
fruit from the grapes. Someone or someone is someone else is pressing the grapes, treading on them. Someone else is is carrying the juice from the grapes that were pressed to the vat for processing and aging. Another one is pouring out new wine and serving it to the governor of the feast. There is a busy hustle and bustle that is happening. And the thing is, is that when we're doing that, there is joy in the air. The Bible says that we shall go rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. And when there's harvest going on, there's rejoicing. And, and there is rejoicing in the atmosphere. And that is a picture of what the kingdom of God here on earth is supposed to be. It is harvest time. And this message today is a call for us to answer the call to be laborers in the harvest. I was so thankful for Brother Milton who's teaching multiple, multiple Bible studies, laboring and laboring and laboring. And God is multiplying the seed, Brother Milton, that you have sown. Even the Bible studies you haven't been teaching, you don't even know. There's gonna, people are going to come to you and you didn't, even, you didn't plant the seed, you don't even know where they came from. But it's going to be a harvest that's coming. God is going to honor your labors in the harvest. Uh, uh, Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, no, don't get tired of laboring in the harvest, even when it seems like you're not seeing anything yet. For the law of the harvest is that you will, you will, you will always reap what you sow. There's a sad picture in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. So we give this, this contrast that when we sow, we shall reap. The contrast is in Proverbs 10, 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. So we can either keep reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping, and, or we can go to sleep in the middle of the harvest and bring shame on the church and the God of the church. I don't want to be one that brings shame on the God that saved me. The God that planted me and caused me to bring forth fruit and caused me to be part of the harvest. I want, I want to be a laborer, a faithful laborer. Lord, let me not fall asleep in the harvest. Musicians, would you come? The altar is open. You can come down here and pray. You can find a place to pray where you're at. But I want you to just say, Lord, where can I labor? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me? If you've never received the Holy Ghost, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost and you will instantly receive power to be a witness and you can start laboring in this harvest. But God is inviting us into this great harvest. Church, I wonder if you could come and pray and just ask the Lord to show you where to labor, show you what field you're supposed to be laboring in, show you where you need to water or where you need to sow or where you need to break up fallow ground. Come down and let's just find, let's just seek the Lord for a little while. I don't know how, how else to end this message other than let's consecrate ourselves to the harvest right now. I don't want to fall asleep in harvest time. I don't want to fall asleep in harvest time. Ecclesiastes 11 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap i'm not going to let the weather hinder me if god says get out and labor i'm going to do it i'm not going to wait around because if i wait for perfect conditions i may never reap a harvest or i may never sow a seed i'm just going to make myself available right now so what if they seem angry but the lord's telling me to talk to them maybe they just need somebody to give them a hug or need somebody to speak love to them to calm down the anger 
So what if they rejected you before? What if now is the time? So what if it doesn't seem like they're interested? If God told you to go talk to them, then they're probably interested, even though they're putting up a false front. I'm not going to wait for the conditions to be perfect. If God told me to go, I'm just going to go. Mark 4, 29, when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. The farmer, when he sees that the harvest is there, gets so excited that he gets the sickle out he gets the combine out he gets all the reaping tools and vessels out and he says I'm going to start laboring now because I'm not going to wait because if the fruit stays on the vine too long it will spoil I need you to hear this right now if the fruit stays on the vine too long it will spoil it will fall off and it will either be devoured by people that weren't supposed to eat it or it will sour and rot. And I do not want any person that God was leading me to, to, to talk to or to love on or to help labor in a harvest. I don't want them to fall and be devoured by the enemy. But I want to pick them when the harvest is ripe and bring them into a place where I can plant them in a kingdom and they can be fruitful and they can have sweet fruit. God, help me be a laborer in your harvest. I don't want to sleep during the harvest. I don't want fruit to fall to the ground that I was supposed to harvest and be devoured by the enemy because the devourer is always there. The lion is always roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. And I don't want anyone to be devoured that I was supposed to harvest. So here I am, Jesus. I give myself to you. I give myself to you. As a laborer in your harvest, I pray the Lord of the harvest right now that He would send me as a laborer. Here am I. Send me. I don't want it to be said of, of New Britain that He looked around in New Britain for a man that would go into the harvest and couldn't find one. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. <laughs> Here am I. Send me. I have touched the hem of your garment and I have felt the leading of your hand but today my eyes look much higher to see the face of the great I am more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory Touch 
the hem of your garment and I have felt the leading of your hand but today my eyes look much higher to see the face of the great I am oh more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place I have touched the hem of your garment and I have felt the leading of your hand but today my eyes look much higher to see the face of the great I am oh more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory in this place I have touched the hem of your garment and I have the leading of your hand but today my eyes look much higher to see the face of the great I am oh more of you Jesus more of your face more of your glory There's a story in 1 Samuel where the ark of the Lord had been stolen because of Israel's disobedience and there's all kinds of stuff that was going on. And 
the presence of God, the glory had departed from Israel. But God doesn't want to stay away from his people for very long. And so he arranged circumstances such that the Philistines said, we can't keep this thing here because it's miserable for us while God's around. Just read the story. And 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 13, as, as the Philistines sent the ark back, there was a group of men in a place called Beth Shemesh, it says they were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. Things were bad for them. Things were bad for Israel. They could have been depressed. They could have been worried about their circumstances. They could have been worried about all kinds of things. They could have been mad at God for leaving them when really it was them that left God. There could have been a whole bunch of things that they could have been doing. But the Bible says they got to work in the harvest even though they were in the valley. By the way, there's not much that gets harvested on a mountaintop most of the time. The harvest is in the valley, which means you got to go through a valley to get to the harvest. And mountaintop experiences at conferences and church service and altar calls are great, but we got to get down in the valleys of life and reap the harvest. And they did that. And while they were reaping their harvest, they lifted up their eyes and they saw the Ark of the Covenant and they rejoiced to seek it. And the prophetic word that God wants to give us and the principle that he wants to show us in scripture is that when we get busy in the harvest, God will show up. You get busy witnessing, you get busy telling people about Jesus, you get busy praying with people, you get busy uh, handing out invite cards, you get busy teaching home Bible studies, you get busy praying with people in the altar. God is going to show up because he cannot resist when he sees laborers in the harvest. So you keep sowing and you keep reaping and you keep watering, you keep doing whatever it is that you can do in the harvest. God is going to meet you in the valley of the harvest. He's going to meet you in the field that you're harvesting in and he is going to stretch forth his hand the bible says that he told him to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believes and is baptized shall be saved and then he says these signs shall follow them that believe they'll, they'll speak with new tongues they'll cast out devils all these things gonna happen they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and the bible says they went forth in mark chapter 16 and verse 19 then and 20 they went forth and they started uh doing what jesus has told them to do and god showed up when they were laboring in the harvest when they were preaching the gospel and when they were teaching all nations Jesus ascended to heaven but he came back in the form of the spirit in the Holy Ghost and when they started laboring in the harvest the Bible says that the Lord confirmed the word with signs following when you get busy in the harvest God is going to get busy with you he's going to work with you he's going to fight for you and he's going to work for you and you're going to see miracles and signs and wonders both for you and for those that you are witnessing to in the name of Jesus it is harvest time let's worship just a little bit more and let's consecrate just a little bit more god i'm gonna labor in your harvest because i know you're gonna show up in the valley of my harvest in jesus name i wanna sit at your feet tree from the cup in your hand Back again. 
souls that are hungry there are so many that are looking there are searching for an answer and we've got we've got the answer we have that hope Jesus we can't hold on to what we have we can't keep it we can't keep it we've got to be good stewards of it we can't be afraid we can't be afraid because when we act in fear, God takes that away from us. There were servants in the parable of when, when Jesus spoke about the master who gave talents away. He gave one five. He gave the other two. And then he gave one. What did the one do with that talent? He hid it. He hid it. He did nothing with it. And when the master asked him, what did you do with that talent? He said, well, I knew you were a harsh master and that you reap where you don't, where you haven't sown. And he was trying to put it back on the master, like you're such a harsh master. So I did nothing with it. I hid it because I wanted to make sure I gave it back to you the way you gave it to me. He wasn't a harsh master. From what we see with the previous servants, he blessed them and he gave them more because they took what God had given them, what the master gave them, and they multiplied it. They shared it. 
they did something with it. But that servant that had the one talent didn't want to take ownership of it. And the Lord said to him, to whom much I've already given, I'm going to give you more because you're doing something with it. But to the one that doesn't have, I'm going to take whatever you don't have. But how can that be? How can that one not have anything when he just, he was given one talent because he never made it his own. He never took ownership of it. He never cared for it. He was given something, but he never took ownership of it. This harvest field, New Britain, and the surrounding cities, this is our harvest field. This is his harvest, but it's where we work at. We've got to personalize this. Nobody else is going to do it. God has placed you exactly where you are so that you can work in his harvest. And when the time comes for the Lord to say, what did you do with the talent or the talents that I gave you? What is going to be your response? Are you going to say, well, I knew you were a harsh master. He's not harsh. God is a good father. He's loving. He's caring. Are we going to say, Lord, you gave me this. I personalized it. I did something with it. I shared it. Even if it's with one person, wherever you go, let them see the hope. Let them see the hope that lies within you. We have this hope. And my heart breaks for those that are lost. My heart breaks for those that are lost. We, are, we need to go. We need to go. We need to testify. We need to bring them in. We need to share the gospel with them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for this message, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to labor in your harvest, dear Jesus, that whatever you put in our hands, help us to be good stewards of your word. Help us to be good stewards of the joy, the peace, the blessing, the salvation that you gave unto us, Lord God, that we may be able to share that with someone else. To show them, Lord, that that peace that you gave me, they can have as well. That joy that I have, they can have it as well. Lord, you have given us a hope and a future, Lord God. We need to share that with someone else. Give us the wisdom, oh God. Give us the understanding that we need. Give us the hunger for your word that we may, may take it in, Lord Jesus. That we may consume your word, oh Lord. That we may be able to have an answer to give of that hope that lies within us. So when, so when someone asks, what, what makes you different? We can give them an answer. Lord, we just love you and we thank you, oh God, for this word. We thank you for the harvest that is already here and what you're bringing in, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, oh God, for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remember, Cornerstones, it begins at 2 p.m.